Welcome to the Bariatric Podcast, the weight loss surgery podcast coming to you from Central Texas. I'm your host, Chip Reynolds, and today is May 29th, 2018. This is episode 15 of the Bariatric Podcast. Thank you for listening. In this episode, I'll talk about running, including completing my first ultra marathons. I also got a tattoo recently to commemorate my weight loss journey. And lastly, I'll spend some time talking about a weight loss surgery book I recently read. If you have questions or comments for the show, please like us on Facebook. We can be found at facebook.com slash bariatricpodcast, or you can email the show at bariatricpodcast at gmail.com. To start the show, here is my progress report. I'm 47 years old. My heaviest weight was 356 pounds. My surgery weight was 320 pounds. My current weight is 169 pounds, and my goal weight is 170 pounds. I had a gastric bypass on December 7th, 2015, so I'm about two and a half years out now. Let's get started. So running and racing was a large part of my 2017, and that continued here in 2018. The first quarter of the year went by fast, but it was fantastic. I started off by running a marathon on January 1st. It wasn't my best performance, but I completed it, and it was a great way to start the year. I was happy to earn the largest medal in my collection. Seriously, this thing is bigger than my face. And it was my fourth full marathon, and the third within 30 days. In December, I qualified to enter both the Marathon Maniacs and the Double Agents. I previously qualified to enter the Half Fanatics in May of 2017, when I ran three half marathons in three days. These clubs have introduced me to a new group of running friends that have been such a positive influence and source of encouragement for me. In February, I ran the Austin Marathon and finished the hilly course with my second fastest marathon time. I followed that race by running the Cowtown Challenge one week later. The challenge involves running one race on Saturday and one race on Sunday in the Cowtown series of races. I chose the, the 10K for Saturday and the 50K Ultra Marathon for Sunday. I was introduced to the race series by a local friend who told me that it was very well supported and that the city of Fort Worth made the races a lot of fun. So I ran the 10K fairly hard, but had to stop about halfway through for a porta potty break. I was still very happy with my performance and my time. You'd think I would have learned a lesson about taking it easy the day before a big race in San Antonio last December when I ran the 10K on Saturday and the marathon on Sunday, but no, not this guy. And it turned out okay though. On Sunday, I ran my first ultra marathon. It was the 50K, which is about five miles longer than a marathon. I was excited about this race and felt pretty confident I could turn in a decent time since I had such a strong race in Austin the week before. I set a personal goal to go under five hours and while this was an ambitious goal, I was sure it was possible. The race started out great and I was moving along at a pace I hoped to keep. My friend was right about the course in the city. They really love this race in Fort Worth. There were people lining the streets of downtown all morning cheering on the runners and offering support in the form of unofficial hydration stations that included water, but also had some energy drinks like beer and fireball. It was a lot of fun to run the streets and see so many people out there. Later, the course went into large residential sections of the city, and people took the opportunity to organize block parties to celebrate the runners. There were so many families that came out to their front lawns and spent hours cheering for the runners. Again, There were unofficial aid stations that offered water, Gatorade, and adult beverages. There were a couple places you could get snacks like pickles, gels, and candies. 
I got a Tootsie Roll and sucked on it until it was just a sliver. I found myself running alongside one of my Marathon Maniac friends for a couple of miles. He was shooting for a sub four hour finish for the marathon and we were on pace to be really close to that while we ran together. He actually saved me from a wrong term at one point. I wasn't paying too much attention to the signs and the split for the half marathon finish was coming up. I was on the wrong side of the street as we got closer. He made sure he got my attention before I got to the separation point. The course for the marathon and ultra were the same up until about mile 25 where the ultra split off and ran along a trail parallel to the river. This was the only stretch of the course that didn't have people lined up along it to cheer. There were still folks out there, just not as many as the earlier parts of the course. I did get to see another one of my maniac friends during this stretch of the race as the out and back kept all the runners on the same section of trail for about five miles. This is also where I started to slow down a bit and feel some fatigue. My nutrition was a bit lacking at this point as I had reached a saturation point for the sweetness of all my gels and tailwind. I just didn't want to eat anything sweet anymore, but that was all I had left for fuel. Mile 25 was my first split that was over 10 minutes per mile, with the exception of mile 9 which included a porta potty break. This portion of the course was an out and back with a turnaround near mile 28. There was an aid station near the split from the marathon course and an aid station at the turnaround. I made a point of hitting every single aid or water station throughout the entire race and drinking at least a cup of water or Gatorade. In many cases I grabbed a cup of each, combined them into one cup and drank the mix. At the turnaround aid station I filled up one of my two water bottles with water. The other still held tailwind that I didn't want to drink. I drank that water about halfway to the next aid station, but luckily I came across a water fountain in the park right next to the trail. I was really feeling the dehydration at this point. At the turnaround, I remember trying to do some quick math in my head to see how close I would be to my five hour goal. Much like the San Antonio Marathon last year, I knew I was going to be close and would have to push myself hard in the final miles of the race. I was a little off target, but I thought I still had a good chance to get it. But after 24 miles under 10 minutes per mile, I only ran two miles in the 10s before my pace dropped into the 11s, and that's where I stayed for most of the rest of the race, with a 10.34 for mile 31. At about mile 30, we merged back onto the same course as the marathon runners, and it was nice to see more runners again. The section of the course that ran out and back to get the extra five miles of the, for the ultra was the hardest part of the race for me, with fewer runners and spectators on the course, and the day finally warming up a bit. Running in with the marathoners gave me a bit of a boost for the last part of the race. Also getting closer to the finish line meant seeing more people along the course cheering us on to the finish line. Finally, the you're almost there signs and cheers were true. For the last little bit, I was able to get back to a 930 um, per mile pace and finish the race in 502.21. I missed my goal of five hours, but I was happy and proud of my performance. After the race, I stopped at every food and drink station, including the Blue Bell ice cream. Yes, I ate a small amount of ice cream. I figured I deserved it and I was willing to pay the price if I dumped. I did get a minor stomach ache, but it didn't last for very long. One week after the 50K, I camped in a 100-kilometer, seven-person relay team for the Tanajas Trails 100K. Several months back, I got a group of friends together and we all signed up to do this race. I was really looking forward to this one. I've done three long-distance relay races, but this was my first trail relay. It worked out that the 100K course was two laps of the 50K course. Five of the runners did the same exact leg twice, and I and another runner just did our legs consecutively, with me doing mine on the first loop and she did, her leg, uh, did the same legs on the second loop. Funny story, there were several races going on at the same time of varying distances, and I came upon a large group running the half marathon. As I passed one woman, she called out hello and asked my name, and I answered and asked for hers in return. 
Shortly after that, the half marathon course split from my course and I missed my turn because I was all flustered from the pretty lady talking to me. Yeah, I'm awkward. Anyways, I got to the handoff station and we figured out what I did wrong and adjusted from there. Overall, the race was a blast. Running these relay races is a lot of fun and a great chance to do something challenging with a group of friends. After the relay, I had a couple of races before my next big challenge, the Brazos Bend 50 miler. I was really excited and nervous for this race. After the race, I wrote the following post on my Facebook page. Brazos Bend 50, so much to say. This, is, this one is a bit long, but thank you in advance if you stick around for the entire post. I'm very happy with my time. It was slower than my goal, but it's my time and I earned it. I have no regrets about my performance and I am immensely proud that I put everything I had into that race. I did manage to stay ahead of the pace that I had a goal for for about 20 miles, but my first wall was at the traditional marathon distance and it was miserable. Shortly before the end of lap two, my watch buzzed for 31 miles and I felt a sense of pride as I was about to enter new territory. Once I passed the 50k mark, every step was the farthest I'd ever gone on foot. The highs of the race were so great. Seeing folks I knew at the aid stations and along the course was a lot of fun. I spent several hours telling every runner I passed going in either direction, good job, and hearing it in return. There is so much community at races like this, regardless of the pace. Having my friends there to support me was, was such a great feeling too. The lows during the race were pretty low. The first wall was probably the worst I felt the entire day. I wasn't even halfway and I felt terrible. I popped two Tylenol and a couple of salt tabs and felt much better about 15 minutes later. I walked now and then, but I tried to limit it to no more than once per mile or two and tried to keep it to 100 paces. I stopped to sit and stretch three times too. My legs held up pretty well. I didn't have much of a problem with cramps. I shot a pickle juice at every aid station and some salt tabs helped a lot. My doc will be happy to know that I was able to average less than one salt tab per hour. I did have some back pain. My upper back was really bad from about mile 35 or so. It didn't help that as I got tired, I started hanging my head a lot. I had to constantly remind myself to keep my, held, my head held high. I got one black toenail. I could feel a spot on my middle toe on my right foot and thought it might be a hot spot or a blister. Thankfully, it's just the nail. I may go back to the podiatrist and have him yank it permanently like I did with the second toenails on both feet. I didn't want to eat anything starting from about the halfway point. I was forcing myself to eat out of my fuel stash, but I was getting sick of the sweet taste of everything I packed. Going forward, I'm going to have to find something that isn't so sweet because longer races will require more calories and I can't afford to get into a deficit because I can't absorb everything I eat already. I also suspend the 30 minute rule when it comes to eating and drinking because hydration is so important. Speaking of hydration, the pack worked great. It sits nice and high and the sloshing of the bladder wasn't too bad for me. I drained the 2 liter bladder three and a half times and starting from lap 2 I was refilling one of my 10 ounce bottles at every aid station with a 50-50 mix of Gatorade and water. I drank one 10 ounce bottle of Tailwind but it was too sweet for me to ever drink out of the second bottle. Gatorade or Naked flavored Tailwind may have to be my liquid calorie, calories and electrolyte replacement going forward. I tried very hard to spend the entire day running the mile I was in. As I got closer to finishing it was hard not to imagine the finish line though. I thought about completing this race for a long time and I had no idea how I would react to crossing it. When I hit the last turnaround at mile 45, all I could think about was being done. Crossing the finish line was an incredible feeling. I saw my friends and the photographer and tried my best to look strong as I crossed. It wasn't hard to smile though. It wasn't until we were all walking back to the cars that the emotion caught up to me and still all I could do was smile through the tears of joy.
I don't have to be fast. I only have to be strong. The day before, and it was actually the night that I finished the race, I wrote this post about gratitude. Tonight I want to say thank you. I accomplished something that is an individual achievement today, but I did not do this alone, nor could I have. Lewis is my hero. He got up at midnight and drove me three and a half hours to my race. He crewed me for 33 miles and then paced me for the last 17, all the way encouraging and motivating me to keep moving forward. Then he drove me a three and a half hours home. Also, Kenya and Christina made the three and a half hour drive out to crew me and create shenanigans to keep me smiling, even when everything hurt. Thank you to Rob and Rachel, the race directors for Trail Racing Over Texas, for putting on another first class event. My first races with Trot were the Wildflower Weekend last year, and every race I've run or volunteered for have been amazing. Something I tell people about them that makes them and Trot different is that they truly love their runners as much or more than their events. Rob met me at the finish line today, gave me a big hug, and told me how proud he was of me. The volunteers at all of the A stations were amazing. It was great to see Katie on the other side of the table, and I want to thank everyone for encouraging me to keep moving forward, especially when I had two miles to go and all I wanted to do was sit down for a minute. Yeah, that four minutes in air quotes. Lastly, I want to thank everyone in my life that has in any way expressed encouragement or support for me over the past three years. I made a major change in my life, and I'm very proud of everything that I've accomplished, but like I said above, I never did it alone. You were there with me every step of the way. Every like or comment, every text message, every phone call, every face-to-face -face talk has been so important to me, and I can never say thank you enough. Now that I'm a few weeks out from that race, I don't have much to add. I've already, I'm already training for my next big race, the 100-kilometer race at Habanero 100 in August. I do still have work to do on mid-race mid nutrition and fuel, as the sweet gels, drinks, and chews are overwhelming to my taste buds after a while. I can't afford to get too deep into a deficit on an ultramarathon. The A stations always have other items to eat so I can get some real food in my stomach that isn't fully sugar-based. I have become a fan of pickle juice, and I also have tried things like crackers or pretzels at the aid stations. As I mentioned in the Facebook post, I don't follow a 30-minute rule while eating and drinking during races. I know that this will further limit my ability to actually get the calories I'm eating, but I can't afford not to drink for 45 to 60 minutes during these races. I just do the best I can and it has to be good enough. For folks that might be interested in running gear, I'll give a rundown here. For the 50K, I wore a hydration belt with two 10-ounce bottles. It has a good-sized pocket to hold fuel, ID, keys, and other such items. It also has two cords that can be used as a raised bib holder. The brand I use is Bring It, and you can find it on Amazon by searching for hydration belt and Bring It. For this race, I wore my Nike Air Pegasus Zoom 32s. They're an older model of the shoe that I found on sale and had set aside the closet. I always buy shoes ahead of time, and I put in if they're on sale, and I just stock them away until I need them. For the 50 miler, I wore a hydration pack. I wasn't sure how I'd like running with a pack. I've used several types of Camelback style hydration packs over the years, and none of them have seemed like good ones to use for running. Many of the high-end packs cost more than $100, and I didn't want to commit that much money to something I might not even like using. I figured if I got a less expensive one that was made for running and I, and, and I liked it, I could either keep using it going forward or upgrade later. The brand I got was SLS3, and again, you can search for it on Amazon by using the terms Hydration Vest and SLS3. I did have some minor quality issues with the vest, but after contacting the company, they provide full replacements to me for free. I like the vest very much. It came with two 17-ounce soft flasks and two 10-ounce bottles. 
The pack has two zipper pockets up front that are big enough to hold my fuel and my iPhone. There are two pouches just in front of the pockets that hold flasks and bottles, and one smaller pouch for small items or trash. I use the smaller water bottles on the race. On training runs, I try the soft flasks and generally like them, except that when they are full, they are a bit longer than the pockets, so they flop around a bit until they're empty enough to be pushed down into the pocket fully. There is a larger pocket on the back that can hold a bladder up to two liters. It didn't come with a bladder, but I had two, two at home that, that fit it just fine. For this race, I wore two pairs of Ultra Lone Peaks. It was a little rainy and muddy during the first loop, and my shoes and socks were soaked by the time I finished that lap. I changed into dry shoes and socks and wore them for the remainder of the race. Other than the black tono that I finally re removed myself just a couple days ago, I had no issues with my feet. As for supplements and nutrition during the training and racing, there are a lot of products out there that are geared towards endurance athletes that can be used just as effectively for folks running much shorter races. Now we, we know that everyone reacts differently to the foods that they eat after surgery, so while I'll share what, I worked, you know, what I've used and what worked for me and what didn't, if you're going to try some of these fuels, you'll have to see what works for you. One of the first things I tried was energy gels. I tried them early and often when I first started running because I knew I'd eventually run distances where I'd feel like I needed, uh, needed them to stay strong on races. As I noted above, many of these gels are very sweet and they contain a lot of sugar. I experimented with several brands like Goo, Cliff Shots, and Honey Stinger gels. Ultimately, the only brand that worked for me out, out of those three was Honey Stinger. The other two caused me some distress and dumping, and it wasn't pretty. Like I said though, don't steer away from any particular product based solely on my reactions. You may be completely different. All three brands come in a variety of flavors with Goo probably having the most flavors available. I consume one gel pack every one to two hours while I'm running, although it might be more like every three hours if I'm supplementing with other fuels too. Which brings me to some of the other things that I consume. With good results from the Honey Stinger gels, I thought I'd try some of the other Honey Stinger products so I could, get a mix up, or so I could mix it up from just the gels. I've also had good results with the Honey Stinger Energy Chews and Honey Stinger Energy Waffles. Both products come wrapped in single servings and can be found on Amazon and in stores. I actually found the Energy Waffles in a local Target and they were on sale. While the different consistency of these foods is nice, ultimately I found they are all sweet and after several hours I just don't want to consume any more of them. Tailwind Nutrition is a powder you mix into water. It was created specifically with endurance athletes in mind. It is also sweet, and as I noted in my race report, I never got into my second bottle. The nice thing about Tailwind, though, is that it comes in a naked flavor, which is still sweet to taste, but not as much as the other flavors. You can also mix it at, strength, at a strength that you like, which I do. I mix it at about half strength recommended on the package, and I still get about 100 calories per bottle. Going forward, I might try to make it just a little bit weaker so that I can tolerate the taste a little bit longer. I've also tried Generation Ucan. Instead of a sugar, it's a super starch-based fuel that you mix in water similar to Tailwind. It's also quite sweet, though, and mixes in the water a bit more thickly than the Tailwind. But it works for me and I haven't had any issues tolerating it. They also make some really tasty energy bars that are starch-based and have a small amount of sugar. I bought several individual bars at the Expo for, Cowtown for the Cowtown series and bought a box of the coffee-flavored ones, although I prefer the chocolate peanut butter flavor that was sold out on the second day. At Brazos Bend, I was mixing Gatorade and water in my bottle, and that helped a lot too. Gatorade has a lot of sugar, but I found that the taste isn't as sweet as some of the other things I use, especially when it's watered down a bit. If you have any questions about nutrition and fuel, please shoot us a message at the Facebook page or at bariatricpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to talk more about the subject with you. Now on to other news. 
For months, I've been wanting to get a tattoo that would celebrate my journey. I had a couple of ideas, including having a silhouette of a picture of me running. I decided instead to go with something that would be a bit more obvious about its significance, though. I went with a race bib that is done in red, white, and blue, and the number on the bib is 356 for my highest weight. In the blue section at the bottom of the bib, I have, I don't have to be fast, I only have to be strong written in. It covers the back of my right calf, and thanks to the artist, it looks great. I'm really happy with it, and I have some photos up on the Facebook page, so please go check it out. The last topic I want to cover is a book I recently read about weight loss surgery. I was contacted by the authors and asked if I would read it and provide feedback on it if they provided me a free ebook copy. I agreed, and they sent the ebook to me. The book is titled The Complete Guide to Weight Loss Surgery, Your Questions Finally Answered, and it is written by Lisa Keuk and Monica Bashaw. And Lisa, I'm so sorry if I didn't pronounce your name correctly there. The short review for the book is this. When I finished the ebook, I immediately went online and purchased a physical copy of the book. It is great. I wrote the following as feedback to Lisa and Monica after reading the book. I really enjoyed the book and all the advice and information was not only in line with what my own weight loss surgery team provided me, but also very much in line with my own personal experiences. I think the book does a fantastic job of balancing between giving specific information, like the formula to calculate protein needs, and staying general on other areas because I have learned by interacting with many post-op folks that everyone reacts differently, which is stated throughout the book. The term best weight was new to me. The idea itself was not, but I hadn't heard the term. I like it and the explanation is excellent, along with the importance of grounding weight loss goals in reality and working in advance with the weight loss surgery team to come up with realistic goals and how to best achieve and accept them. I'm a firm believer that in order for weight loss surgery to be truly effective, it must be accompanied by a change of lifestyle. I love that the book embraces that idea without forcing it on the reader. It shows by example and instruction rather than merely stating it. I also ver like very much that it encourages folks to seek out assistance in their mental health. Mental health is such an important key to success. The last chapter on emotional changes and support was of particular importance to me. Lisa also gave me permission to share a reading of some short passages from the book in this episode. As I said in the feedback, the term best weight was of interest to me, and I want to read a bit from that section. Your best weight is a weight you feel healthy at if you were to ignore the number on the scale, a weight where you're paying attention to what you're putting into your body, but you're not obsessing over calories and experiencing feelings of guilt, a weight where you are moving your body as often as you can. A weight where your health is the best it's been in previous years. A weight that you can only realize you have reached once you get there. Your best weight is not determined by your BMI. Necessarily a number you'd like to see. What an online forum thinks your weight should be. Or can't be calculated or promised to you before you get there. I think that this is one of the most important sections of the book for folks considering weight loss surgery. For me, each of these points under the best weight portion is true. I feel healthy regardless of what my scale says right now. I'm paying attention to my food without obsessing, and I'm moving my body more often than I have in years. Under the what it is not section, it's also true that my best weight is not determined by my BMI. Currently, my BMI still shows me as overweight with a number above 25. My best weight is also lower than my original weight loss goal by about 30 pounds. Not that I'm unhappy about that. I just set a different goal at the start and readjusted it once I was close to achieving my best weight, which goes hand in hand with the idea that it can't truly be calculated or promised before you reach it. 
As for online support groups or forums, there are some fantastic resources available, but I've also been very picky about which groups I've joined and remained a part of. You have to find out what works for you, and I hope that you'll find groups that are mutually supportive and that celebrate your success and health. For me, my favorite online support group has been the Bariatric Running Team on Facebook. As you can easily guess from the name, it is a group of bariatric runners, and I've met some fantastic people, both virtually and in real life, through this group. The members are very positive about success, not just running-related success, and very supportive of each other. A group of members got together to run a Ragnar Relay, Ragnar Relay last year, and they had a blast. Later this year, I'll be joining one of the other members of this online group and several non-bariatric runners for my first Ragnar Relay, and I'm really looking forward to it. If running is your thing, consider searching for Bariatric Running Team on Facebook and joining the group. If running is not your thing, you can still search Facebook for bariatric groups. I'm also a member of All Things Bariatric and RNY Gastric Bypass, with gastric bypass in parentheses. Both of those groups are very supportive and fairly active, and there are plenty of other groups out there. Find some and check them out. They can be a really great help. Lisa and Monica have a website and a Facebook page for their book. The website is bariatricsurgerynutrition.com and the Facebook page is facebook.com slash bariatricsurgerynutrition. You can get a copy of their book directly from their website or you can find it on amazon.com. I do recommend it for people considering surgery or folks that have recently post-op, but there is also a lot of great information for people like me who are much further out from their surgery too. I hope that you'll check it out. Finally, I have a lot of thank yous in today's episode. First, thank you to the folks at the Carl R. Darnell Army Medical Center General Surgery and Nutrition Clinics. I'll never feel as if I've said thank you enough for providing me the chance to reclaim my life and the continued support I received there to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Thank you to the Bariatric Running Team Facebook group. Your daily posts about your own activities and your encouragement and support from mine are so inspiring. Keep up everything that you're doing. Thank you to Lisa and Monica for allowing me the opportunity to read your book and asking for my feedback. I wish you the greatest success as you continue to help people achieve their own goals for a more healthy lifestyle. Thank you to my 50 miler crew, Luis, Christina, and Kenya, who made a huge sacrifice of time and energy to help me achieve an important personal goal. And thank you to everyone that supported me with messages, posts, and congratulations. It means the world to me. Thank you to Trail Racing Over Texas for putting on a fantastic and fun event. Thank you to Rob and Rachel for being there from start to finish, not just for me, but for all the runners at your events. Lastly, thank you to all of you who are listening. Your support by listening to the podcast means a lot to me. I know updates have been infrequent, as I worry that you won't want to listen to me talk about the same things over and over, but the fact that you've stuck around for over two years is important to me. If you have any questions or comments for the show, please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bariatricpodcast or email us at bariatricpodcast at gmail.com. In future episodes, we'll do our best to answer your questions and cover your concerns. Please consider rating and or reviewing the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the Facebook page. Thank you for listening.